Uh, not that it matters, but my name is Dane, and I like wearing colorful pants, and I like high schoolers. It's kind of my thing. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, you're going to need one tonight, so raise your hand, and our good pal Jason will get you one. We're going to be uh, studying the book of James today, so when you get your Bible, turn to chapter 3, James chapter 3. So this has kind of been our, uh, our summer series for high school group. We've been going through the book of James. Uh, me, me and Micah are kind of the youth leaders over there, so we switch off preaching and teaching Sunday and Wednesday. It's a pretty cool thing we got going on. So I teach on Sunday mornings. Uh, so I'm actually teaching you guys what I taught the high schools this morning. Kind of cool. It's, it's funny how the Bible, you know, applies to every generation. It's cool that works. Uh, but James is really a book that's centered on one theme. It's really about living out your faith. So um, you, you get a book like Galatians, which says, you know, you're saved by faith through grace alone. Then you get a book like James that says, you know, faith without works is dead. So it's kind of funny how you're not saved by works. But then God says, you know, if you don't have works, then where's the faith? So it's a really awesome book. I'm excited to teach it to you guys today. But uh, a quick review uh, for an introduction. Chapter 1 discusses trials. Uh, it starts out with talking about how mature Christians, as a lot of us in here, should respond to crisis, to trauma, you know, whatever happens to us, how we should respond. And the first part of chapter one is just, you know, it, you guys probably know this verse, if any of you lacks wisdom, he needs only to ask of God. He gives it all liberally without finding reproach. So that's chapter one. It's talking a lot about um, how we respond in trials. Um, and, and a key part of that to this message, we're going to be talking about the untamable tongue. And uh, the key part of, of chapter one is being swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We all memorize that, memorize that in Awana, right? You guys remember that? Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> so that, that's a critical verse for the message tonight. So chapter two discusses, uh, first off, how we treat each other as, as Christians. How we treat each other knowing that God doesn't show any partiality at all. That God shows no favoritism or anything like that. So how we should see each other as, as people. It talks a lot about, it's funny how we're all in the same boat. Like no matter how long you've lived, no matter how much experience you have, we're all in the same boat as sinners. They're saved and unsaved, but we're all sinners. And especially for Christians, we're all sinners saved by grace. So there's no partiality whatsoever among Christians. So that God shows no partiality at all. And I, and I love what uh, Pastor Rob and uh, Pastor Dave say. It's just about we're, we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. There's nothing special about any one of us individually other than that we're saved by Jesus and he lives in us, which is, which is epic. Um, the second half of chapter two, it talks about faith. And that, that's you know, the huge theme for the chapter. Um, it, it, it talks about like that faith that works is dead. And, and God really showed me something really interesting about this. It's that like, we, we think about like, it's not that faith without works is weak faith. It's that faith without works isn't faith. Does that make sense? So, Faith, apart from works, isn't even faith at all. That's kind of a cool thing. That, that, there needs to be a good distinction because we are saved by faith, apart from works. Like Jesus died so we wouldn't have to work our way to salvation. But after our justification, there's sanctification which requires works. That's, that's what faith is. So in Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, it says that faith is the evidence of thing, things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. So faith is, right away you see it's something physical. Something you could see, something you could feel. And it's important because what people see coming out of us as Christians, 
So that's, that's the only way, really, that people see that there's something different about us. And that's why this, this book is so critical. That if you want something to come out of your life, then there has to be works coming by your faith. So that's really what chapter 2 is about. So now we come to chapter 3. It's continuing in the theme of living out your faith. So today's message is super practical, super just apply it right away, really cool stuff. Um, so we're going to get into it in a sec. Um, but I think it's interesting how chapter 2, we talked about that a little bit just, just a second ago. How the beginning of chapter 2 talks about how God sees us, right, and how we're supposed to see each other. That we show no partiality, that we're all in the same boat. That's really important for today. Because now chapter 3 talks about how we're supposed to talk to each other. How we're supposed to communicate as, you know, as, as this theme of we're all in the same boat, we're all sinners. So we're going to get into this. So let's get right into it. We're going to read the passage. It's uh, James 3, uh, verses 1 through 12. So starting at verse 1. My brethren, that's Christians in case you didn't know, my brethren. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> Let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. No pressure, right? <laughs> For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so... The tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of existence. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. That's critical. Right there. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude, that's a fancy word for likeness or resemblance, of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive or a grapevine bear figs. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Let's pray. Father God, we know, Lord, that your word is truth. God, we know that every word is true, Lord. It's unfallible. It's amazing, God. Lord, we know that your word sanctifies us, God, that your word saves, God, that your word sets the captives free. So Lord, where do you set us free tonight from, from that sin that just binds us, God? Father, as Christians, we desire, Lord, it's our desire to, to obey you and, and, and to learn what, what, you, what you ask of us, God. So that's our prayer tonight, God. We, we ask that, uh, Lord, you would speak mightily through me, God. Father, I pray that every word I say is forgotten, Lord, Holy Spirit, that your words would shine through. So God, would you just be glorified and blessed tonight, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, so first off, kind of introduction before we talk about kind of different sides of, of speaking to each other. Um, first, I want to talk about how critical this passage is. Because the first time I read it, I was like, what does this have to do anything? It's so easy, right? Don't swear, right? It's so easy. Just read it, and it's like, wow, okay, as long as I don't say any bad words, I'm good, right? This doesn't apply to me. 
But I want us to have an idea of the implications of James' admonition, James' admonition regarding speech. Because I believe God wants everyone in the room to know how he personally feels about and sees our sin and how much he cares about how we talk to each other. Um, so taming the tongue is a serious subject. The passage begins with a psalm statement to teachers, which I said, you know, no pressure. It's kind of crazy, but it says that we receive a stricter judgment. We're talking about a little more of that later, but our, our speech is in direct correlation to our heart. And it's something I find interesting that Jesus says. He says in Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And the evil man out of the evil of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So we all know that guy kind of where it's at work or, I mean, some of the younger guys from, or, or girls from school. We all know that guy or that girl where every other word is, is like a swear word, right? And we, we automatically label them as an unbeliever, and rightly so. Because Jesus points out here that, I, you know, if, if, if your heart is good, then it should automatically produce good fruit. If it's evil, it should automatically produce evil. So for Christians, we need to understand that how we talk reflects to others like who we are as Christians, so, so, again, a, a quick note on swearing. It's easy to rag on an obvious sin. It's really easy to do that. Um, but, but I want to talk about stuff like gossip, all right? So, stuff like arguing and complaining, not respecting authority, and, and those kind of sins. Those are the ones that get us, right, as Christians. Those are the ones that, that really get us. So how we, reflect, talk, how we talk reflects whose side we're on, Jesus or, or Satan's. And I, I just want you guys to understand that not, not swearing is not that impressive, okay? So, so for Christians, it's really not that impressive if you don't go around swearing all the time. It's kind of like saying, hey, I'm a really good Christian because I don't commit a homicide every day, right? It's, it's not really that impressive. And, and I really believe that God tonight wants to, wants to show us through his word that his standard is way, way higher than we actually think it is. And not swearing and not you know, killing people just off, offhand out of habit isn't, that's, not, that's a ridiculous standard at, at best. That's a ridiculous standard. God's standard is, is really, really high. And, and, and thank Jesus we don't have to meet that standard, but, but also thank God that we have the privilege to try and show our love and try and meet that standard. Because God's great, through God's grace, we've been getting new desires and a new heart to be able to, to worship him in that regard. So, I'm going to talk about uh, two, two parts of, of the tongue um, or, or our speech. Um, I, I love how C.S. Lewis puts it in Mere Christianity. If you guys read that book, I highly recommend it. It's really good. Um, but he talked about three kinds of social morality. We're going to talk about two today. And the third one will tie in at the end. But the first one is this. It, it's personal morality. So he, he gives us a picture of, of, of a fleet of ships okay, sailing in, in one direction. And the analogy is the first, the, the, the personal morality is kind of like the engine in, in the ship. Imagine, you know, they're, they're steamboats, okay, the engine in the ship. That's personal morality. So if, if that isn't together, automatically the ship's going to steer off course and run into other ships, right? And then and the second one, that's social morality. And th- that's kind of making sure that you guys all are heading in the same direction or else boats are going to, like, you know, clash into each other. So the first one is a rudder is that um, verse three and four says that it's, it's a rudder and, and a deadly poison. So, so for us, it's a rudder. And it's really interesting how, how we speak affects our attitude. It's really interesting. And it, it's like a rudder to a ship. Of our, if our tongue shouts, 
like angrily, we, we just become angry. Have you guys noticed that? Like how you talk affects your attitude. It doesn't even always have to be like you're already in that, in that mood for, for you to say things. So I, I feel like the fruit of your speech affects your attitude, affects everything else about you. That's what this says here. That's a rudder to a ship. So if, if we shout, our whole person is directed towards anger. If we, if we, if we talk angrily, our attitude becomes angry. And, and it's funny how, how the Bible, like, it always gives us these little, science, like, these little scientific little nuggets, like way before they're even discovered. It's, it's crazy. And it's funny how even psychologically, scientifically, like it, it's a thing. I learned this in high school, so it has to be a thing, right? The textbook's totally reliable and all that. But, but in, in, I mean, I learned in high school, one of, the cool, one of the cool things I learned, I didn't learn very much, but one of the things was how we talk and how we act actually affects our attitude. It's super weird, but I mean, and the Bible says this, like 2,000 years before that was even discovered. It's crazy how that works. And a quick side note, I was, uh, I was, giving, a, I was giving a message on truth. Uh, it was James chapter 1, verses 21 through 27, like why we believe the Bible. I was talking to the, the high schools, like why we believe it, just, you know, hard evidence why we believe the Bible. It was, re- it was really cool. Um, but I, I talked about like scientifically, the Bible has super like crazy stuff to say, even about science. And I think if only we would read it, right? If only we'd read it, there's so much stuff in the Bible that we don't know is actually there. So one of the things it's like, um, one of them is that it talks about the earth is round. And, and we're like, you know, like a 1500 years ago, oh, I think the earth is round. And God's like, wow, good job, genius. I, do you know I knew that like way before then? It's, it's crazy. Isaiah 40, uh, 40 verse 22 says this. Uh, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. So in Isaiah, right, thousands of years ago, God, Isaiah prophesied, you know, the, the book of Isaiah, God, God wrote this. It's, isn't it cool that God knows stuff? It's so awesome. And, and, then, and then another thing, this, this is like the most ironic thing ever, but it's Leviticus 17.11. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Um, this is awful. Oh my gosh. But uh, George Washington, um, great guy, pretty cool president. <laughs> but he, he was, there was a practice called bleeding. Kind of weird graphic, graph, uh, never mind. Uh, it, it's a practice called bleeding. So what they would do is they, they would take your veins, they, they would cut you and bleed you to get all the bad disease and bad poison out of you, which is totally just makes no sense, right? That, that's just horrible. And then that's what killed George Washington in 1799. So if they just read Leviticus 17.11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, they wouldn't have killed our first president. <laughs> just you guys know that. Cool. Okay. All right, the second part, the social morality. So the, the, how we talk is, is a deadly poison. That's what James kind of describes it as. So even if you think how you talk doesn't affect others, I can assure you that it does. It's a deadly poison. That's crazy. But you guys, I know we've all heard sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never harm me. How ridiculous is that, right? I mean, I would much rather have like an arm broken than like someone just destroy me with words. It feels horrible. And I really think God wants us to understand tonight, like how our words do affect people. How the sin that we think doesn't affect others, it really does. How if the engine in our ship isn't, isn't you know, working properly, we will run into other ships. We will, and it's inevitable. Another thing is corrupt speech. When we talk, it's contagious. It's contagious how we talk to people. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. So how we speak affect how others speak and every action has a consequence. So whether it's judging, complaining, arguing, and insulting someone, all of the above, all are extremely contagious. And that's a gnarly forest fire like it talks about in there. And it's even worse, like my dad's a firefighter. It's even worse than like a kind of fire that he's on now. He's up at a brush fire, I forget where he is. My mom knows. Uh, I don't know. She's where's my dad? Redwood. <laughs> uh, well, my dad's up there, and and it's funny how like gossip and all that stuff is way worse than any brush fire. And those things are gnarly, right? I I I pray that my dad is protected every day. But gossip and all that stuff is way worse. Tearing people apart—that's way worse than any any kind of destruction like that. All right. So enough of that. We're going to get into the practical side. Um, we're going to start with the most obvious one. That's called, that's swearing, right? That's in verse 10. I'm just going to read verse 10 again, but it, it says this. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so, right? So out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. So a, a lot of people have asked me, like, why is, why is cussing bad, right? Like, it, it's kind of like, you know, why does it even matter? So I, I kind of, God gave me three things. He gave me three different verses. So I, I just told my high school this morning, I want you to think about these three questions before you say what you're going to say. High schools like to talk, and most of what they say is stupid. <laughs> to be honest, most of it isn't even, yeah, okay. Um, so first of all, the third commandment, Exodus 20, verse 7, says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So that's the first question. Am I honoring God by what I'm saying. So that's an easy one. Saying stuff like, you know, just taking God's name in vain, that's a big no-no, all right? God, God doesn't like that at all. And that's the third commandment. Um, a cool story, Bob Gainsley, uh, there, there was a, I didn't actually know him personally, but there, he passed away recently, super sad, and he was a great guy. But this place was packed with just high schoolers who, who, loved, that, who loved the guy. He lived out his faith like just crazy. But he, he was a, um, a high school teacher and a high school football coach. And, and one of his, uh, I, I forget who told the story. I know it's true though. That's funny because I'm gonna talk about gospel in a second. So it's like, I don't even, yeah, never mind. Um, but he coaches for a high school football team. One of his kids says this, uh, they, he, he, he like messed up and he got hurt and he was like, Jesus Christ. And Bob Gaines was like, where? <laughs> right, he was like, where is he? I wanna see him. That's a little cool little, Cool tidbit. All right, number two. Matthew 5.22 is, is the second question. He says, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So number two is, will what I'm about to say hurt or stumble those around me? So that's the whole thing of being slow to speak. Think about what you're saying before you actually say it. The Bible is full of truth, and that's just one of the things. It says is to actually think about what you're going to say. Like, just think, maybe, will this stumble someone? Will this hurt someone? Right? Just think about that before you say anything like that. And then the third one, this is the last one, Ephesians 4.29. We all know this verse. It's this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that's encouragement or building others up, that it may, that it may uh, impart grace to the hearers. So the third question is this. Will what I'm about to say encourage or edify those around me? Is it good for edification? Will, will anyone be you know, lifted up by, by what I'm about to say? Number two, judging. 
This is a fun one. I like this one. Um, so teachers, uh, I, I talked about me being the teacher. Really, it's all of us in the room. Really, teachers can mean masters or judges, anyone who, who you know, tries to teach other people. And, and I'm just going to read what Jesus said because he talks way better than I do. But it's Luke 6, 37 through 30, uh, 38 and verse 41 through 42. It says this, says the judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And why, verse 41, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not let, uh, sorry, uh, there it is, okay. But do not proceed the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly, clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. So Zach told us last week about mercy and, and that God's all about it. Uh, he loves mercy, and we should be judging on the side of grace rather than condemnation. So that just means if, if we're unsure about someone's motivations, if we think they've sinned, it's best to give them the benefit of the doubt. There's exceptions, but really most of the time, we're to judge on the side of grace, on the side of mercy, because that's how God judges us, right? That's how God treats us. He's never shouted at you, never yelled at you. God never judged you because he, he judged Jesus on the cross. He put all his wrath on Jesus, so it's best to judge on the side of mercy. Say, hey, this person's probably having a bad day. Uh, this person probably is going through a crisis. This person's life probably stinks right now. All right, that, that is judging on the side of mercy. And there's a difference. I need to clarify this. Uh, there's a difference between judging others and discernment. All right, 1 Corinthians 2.15 says that, but he who is spiritual judges all things. Spiritual, that's all of us. Okay, we're all spiritual. A lot of, most of us are Christians. Um, so we, we judge all things. So it's, a weird, it's almost like a contradiction there. But, but I realize that there, there's the, the, discern, the, the distinction is between judging and discernment. And all Christians should have discernment. It's having the wisdom to say, you know what, that is sin, and I'm not going to be a part of that. Or maybe if, uh, I, I don't know, for example, like a church elder is, is committing obvious sin, habitual sin, it's in the Bible to bring them back, to counsel them, and try to get them to repent. That's, that's discernment. That's not judgmental. That's discernment. And that, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians, hold us, each other accountable. So if a Christian brother says, don't judge me, man, You're just, you can just say, I'm just looking out for you, man. All right? I'm trying to show you what God wants us to do in his word. The next one is this, gossip and, and slander. This is, this is a gnarly one. And, and I'll be honest, I love gossip, right? We all love gossip. We all love talking about other people, a lot like they're horrible. It's like, I, I hear people talk about someone, I'm like, wait, what, what's up? What just happened? Who is this person so I can talk about them? You know, it's that kind of thing. But two, two things on this, you never know the whole story. We, we never know, especially if you heard it from someone else, right? You guys ever heard that? Oh, I heard it from someone else. Or another thing is this, well, it's true, Right? Like, even if it is true, it's, it's, it's none of your business. You know, it's none of our business. The only, the only person's sin that we should be talking about is our own. And, and that's really the key. And, and it's funny because I work with high schoolers, right? I hear this all the time. I, I see a circle of them. There's always clicks every day. It, it's crazy. There's just a circle of them just formed. It's like they, they just walk in, circle, walk in, circle. There's always a circle, right? There's always that circle. 
And, and, and I, I just hear them, they say, oh, that kid is so annoying. And, and I look at the kid who, who's saying that, and I'm like, dude, I wish he knew how annoying he was, you know? <laughs> it's like if you're gossiping at someone, you're kind of like saying, hey, I, I, I know this person's sin, and I don't want people to notice that in me, you know? It's kind of that kind of thing. It, it's really interesting. But again, the perfect verse for this is Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So just think about this. Is what I'm about to say imparting grace? Am I being merciful? Am, am I loving people right now? Is what I'm saying to this person, this building them up? Okay, am I talking to them behind their back and, and talking about them badly? Is that, it's, God wants us to build each other up. He, he, he loves edification. He loves mercy. Next one, arguing and complaining. Kids love this one. It's a good one. Philippians 2, verse 14 through 15 says this. It's part of our family motto. My mom just had a moment right there. <laughs> Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I had a friend on a, I used to play water, but I had a friend on my team called, named Derek. Uh, and he used to say this phrase, just like, what's good? He's like, hey man, what's good? Instead of what's up, like, what's good? And I was like, hey, that, that's a really good, that's really good. That's a little, little, good little nugget. It's like, wh- when you want to complain, just think, what's good? You know, what's good in my life that God has blessed me with? I, I, think, of the, the, I think of complaining. And really, I, I see the opposite of that to be, to be thankfulness. I see the opposite of complaining to be thanking God for what you have. It's not about what you don't have, it's what you do have, right? Even if you're alive right now, it's a blessing. If you're saved, that is an unbelievable blessing that we do not deserve even this much. <laughs> Arguing. With regards to authority, our first reaction to authority is almost always complaining. Almost always. I know that for me especially. And it mostly happens when the command isn't in accordance with our own will. We don't need to think about God. But God says something really interesting in, in Romans 13. It's actually Paul, God said it through him. Uh, verse one through two, let every soul be sub- subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Does anyone know who the Roman emperor was when Paul wrote this? You raise your hand. Anyone know? Nero. Do you guys know who Nero is? He burned Christians on, on poles. He uses them as torches. This guy would release Christians in, into the, the big, what's this, the big stadium called? Colosseum. Yeah, to, to be like eaten alive. This guy was horrible. If I had to think of the worst ruler ever, it would be Nero. He was a bad guy. And Paul wrote this during his reign. So God appoints rulers like Nero. How much more should we obey you know, the people that God appoints in our lives. It could be bosses, teachers, whatever it is. And, and it's funny, especially for kids, just, I think it applies to adults too with authority. It, it, it's uh, Ephesians 6.1, another family model verse. Love it. Uh, it says, children, obey your parents. <laughs> um, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for they are right. Parents, are you always right? No. No. But it, <laughs> yeah. But but it says for this is right. God doesn't care if you think they're right or wrong, and God knows if they're right or wrong. That's the funny thing that God always knows. 
And he, he wrote and said, he said, for this is right. Just doing this is walking in accordance with my command. This is right. They're not always right, but this is right. Next one is anger. Ephesians 4 verse 30 through 32 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Has it ever occurred to you that our anger grieves God? That our sin, it upsets him. It makes him sad. And I'm not, I'm not saying that God needs you, okay? He doesn't need any of us. He's really good. He, he's pretty cool by himself, all right? God isn't up in heaven having like a midlife identity crisis, all right? He's not saying, wow, I really wish they would love me. I really wish they would obey me just because I need their love. He doesn't need your love. He doesn't need any of us. And that's really the humbling thing, that he would care enough to show us what we have to do to bless us. So our anger grieves God. And I really think it's because of this, because we need to think about how Jesus spoke, how God speaks to us. And I really think that's the key to understanding others and how we should talk to them. James 1, verse 19 through 20 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It can also, we could also just put it in there, be slow to judge, be slow to complain, be slow to argue, be slow to get angry. And the next time you feel like just tearing someone apart with your words, just saying, dude, are you joking? Just going at them. Just think about how God has dealt with you. Just think about how horrible of a person you know, I am, how, how, horrible of, how horrible people we are. I think how God treats us. That he's merciful, he's loving. That for, he sent his son to die. So the next time we, we, we think about that, we just need to think about how God treats us. How he's never shouted at you. He's, he's never been angry with you. He's never, you know, he's never hurt you. He's never insulted you. That God is a good God and we should reflect that same mercy to others. Practically, uh, Proverbs 15.1 says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word turns up anger. So if we respond like God, it'll literally turn away the wrath. When we're talking to someone, if, if we respond softly, if we, even, though, if we, even if we think they're stupid or something, we respond softly, <laughs> um, they'll, it'll turn away the wrath. The wrath will just dissipate. So he doesn't condemn or wrongly accuse us. And if, and if you're a Christian in the room today, he actually doesn't accuse you at all, right? He, he laid all of his wrath on Jesus at the cross. So he's merciful and loving, and that's how he should be to others. So what's the solution? And, and this is kind of the closing thing. Um, I can, I, we can talk all day about our sin. We could talk all day about that we need to change. We could talk all day about, you know, what are specific stuff we, we deal with. But if we, if we rely on behavior modification, it's not going to work. If you think that good habits, like taking away the bad habits and making good habits will save you, will make you a better person, you're wrong. That our, our works are like filthy rags for God. So we have a, we have a predicament, okay? A serious predicament. Uh, the first thing is this. We can't control our speech. We can't. And I'll prove it to you. In verse 8, it says, But no man can tame the tongue. No man. No one can. 
The second thing is this, it's a problem that has to be fixed. It's a problem. Because out of the same mouth produce blessing and cursing. That's verse 10. So it's a problem. There's, there's this contradiction in, inside of us that needs to be fixed. So we can't control our speech. It says no man. But who can? Jesus Christ. Because he's not a man. He's God. And, and really, he's in the business of setting the captives free. A, a wild, untamed horse, like it says in there, it, it needs a really good rider. A, a, a ship that's way off course needs a really good captain to get it back on course. And that's Jesus. He's a really, really good captain. He's a really good master, a really good king. He's the best. <laughs> and the only person who can change how you speak is the Holy Spirit. But here's the trick, okay? Here's the trick. You have to desire it. You have to desire it. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die so you can continue in your sin. He died, and so when you accepted him, he gave you a new heart with new desires. So right now, if you're a Christian, we have, we have two, two natures battling against each other. We have our fleshly nature. We have our, our Jesus nature, I'll call it. Or we have the two battling against each other. And for the Christian, I... I really, God's really been speaking my heart on this, that every good habit is formed when and only when you start performing it over and over again until you desire it. Just repetition. It's kind of like starting to try, uh, trying to start lifting weights after years of physical complacency. That was kind of me. I, I, it's, it, was a, it was a year before, it was a year since I lifted weights because I quit water pool, so I kind of got a little lazy. Uh, I got a gym membership recently, and it was awful, right? I, I woke up, and I couldn't move. It was the worst thing. But I, I had to note, notice something there. I had to actually get off, get up from my couch and go get a gym membership. Right? I, had to, I had to put down, set aside the bag of potato chips, get up and go to the gym. So we have to act, I had to actually go. And what I, what I see with this is that don't just wait for God to make you talk better. Okay? We don't just wait for God to say, you know, we don't pray for 10 years, God, uh, am I going to walk this way, right? We, we, don't, we don't do that. And there's, there, there's faith, of course, but it, it's kind of like, we're, we're like, show me God and I'll go. But God's like, go and I'll show you, right? Start desiring that and, and I'll, I'll give it to you. And I see this is kind of how, how the Holy Spirit works, right? He, we have that desire. So we have the ability to want to, to talk better. The trick is to start talking better. And then after a while, God will give you that desire to want to talk better. Does that make sense? So it comes with persistence. It's just like reading the Bible, right? It's not fun at first. It's kind of boring, right? Starting in Genesis, it's like really lame. Like, I can't even understand this, right? If you, if you read it every night, you'll start to love it. The perfect example is corporate prayer, right? I couldn't stand corporate prayer, right? I was like, what is this guy even talking about? I don't even know what he's praying about right now. If you go again and again and again, you start to love it. I'm in love with prayer. I can't even miss Sunday night prayer anymore. It's amazing. And only by God's grace can you give us that desire. So I'm going to close with this band. You can come up. We get the lights off. I, I want us to, during this worship time, I want us to examine our hearts. In verse 10 through 12, it says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Or can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? 
Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Note tonight that Jesus didn't die. He, didn't, he wasn't mocked. He wasn't insulted, spat upon, beaten, bruised, just marred. He, he didn't do all that so that we could continue in our sin. He didn't do all that so we could let the flesh just go all at it, right? Just sin forever, liberalism, right? He died so that we could be changed. He died so we can be set free from our sin, not so we can continue in bondage to it. And a lot, a lot of us, including me, we, we have to start acting like we're saved. A lot of us have a lot of burdens of, of sin. And, and we need to know tonight that, that God is a pursuing God, that no matter how far you've run, no matter how bad your speech is or how bad you've sinned, I love how Mark Leslie puts it, but th- this is you, this is God the whole time. This is a circle of blessing of beings. This is us, this is God. He's pursuing us. And all it takes is one step around to, 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 to receive his blessing again. To start obeying and start living the life that he's called us to. Today, God wants to bless us. He really wants to. He's not, he's not a cosmic killjoy. He's a cosmic, yes, do it because I love you. If you obey me, I promise I will bless you. He promises that. Second closing, I'm going to turn to Psalm uh, 84. Psalm 84 verse 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I'm going to read that again. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Verse 12 says, O Lord of horse, uh, o, o, Lord, o Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Blessed is, oh, how happy. Happy. Oh, how happy is the man that trusts in you. God wants, us to, wants to bless us tonight, and that starts with repentance. It starts with saying, God, you know, my speech is awful. <laughs> God, my sin is terrible, but you're a good God and you're a good Savior. And you're in the business of, of setting the captives free, of redeeming us of our sin. So I'll end with this. It's Psalm 86, 5. It says, for you, Lord, are good. So good. And ready to forgive. And abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Just know that even though our sin is bad, if we call upon the Lord, he's ready to forgive us. He's so ready. No matter how bad the sin is, he's ready to forgive us. And it was all, it was all with Jesus on the cross. That's why he died, so we could be free from that. So we're going to take communion. This is God's body and this is his blood. We take it in, in remembrance of him. It's one, one of the just beautiful sacraments. It's just something God gave us to do. And I really see it as a picture of, of repentance, saying, God, I, I want to partake of you and let go of me. Right? I want to partake of, of your glory and in your love and purity and, and let go of my sin. So we're taking communion as the worship's going. And I just want want every heart in the room to just examine our hearts. So let's just bow our heads in the room today. Let's pray. Father God, we're overwhelmed, Lord, by your mercy. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that you, you died for us, Lord, that you, God, you died so we could not continue in sin, Lord, but be free from it. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are willing and able to control how we talk and control how we live, God. So we love you and we praise you. Lord, I pray for repentance tonight, God, that we turn to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that every heart in the room knows that it's never too late, God. It's never too late. So we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come up at your leisure as the worship's going. Gotta take, uh, it's the body first because the body had to be broken for the blood was shed, amen. So you're gonna come up at your leisure, take communion. Let's worship. Reaching out, I'm reaching 